This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Well, news through yesterday that one of Dunedin's bastions of live music, the Starters Bar, formerly known as the Oriental and Fat Ladies Arms, which had been shut down uh, during Alert Levels 4 and 3, was not to reopen uh, due to health and safety concerns around the building. Um, that sent a ripple, of course, through the live music scene here in Otipoti. It's been such an integral part of it over a good number of years. We thought we'd uh, reflect on that news and catch up with where the campaign around saving Dunedin Live Music is with Save Dunedin Live Music spokesperson David Bennett, who joins us on the line now. Morena, David, good to have you with us. Uh, morena, Jeff. Uh, thanks for having me on. The uh, news through yesterday, did it come as a surprise to you? Yeah, that was a uh, a total surprise to all of us, really, um, especially with the uh, the recent uh, amount of events that starters have been putting on and the, the way that the bar was being ran so well. Uh, nobody really saw it coming. It was quite a shock. Of course, the Otago University Students Association bought the venue back in 2018. That wasn't all that long ago. It seems surprising, doesn't it, that uh, that suddenly they should be confronted with an issue that you would have thought of would have been apparent um, back then. What's your sense of where the OUSA is at with um, any appetite to look for an alternative? Oh, I know that uh, OUSA is very keen to um, try and find another venue. Uh, they are very much uh, regretting what has happened uh, now. I believe that they would have liked to stay where they were. I, I'm not 100% sure on what the issues were, um, but they were definitely in, in mid-swing with a lot of stuff and, and really starting to get their, the events up and running there and everything going well. So this is definitely a big setback for them. Let's go back in time a wee bit um, to earlier in the year and the initial impetus there was in the creative community to start a creative discussion and a constructive discussion around what was happening with live music in the city. There was a a sense, a reality, that um, incidents such as we experienced yesterday were becoming all too commonplace, uh, venues suddenly disappearing off the map, um, there were issues, of course, around noise control and the particular issue at, uh, at Bark, at Dog with Two Tails, and that that began a series of conversations, didn't it? Um, take us back to that time and just recap for us what came out of those conversations. Yeah, so I'm sure everybody does remember a while ago all the all the issues we had, and basically uh, what came out of that was from the music community presenting a united front to council. Council responded by using a small amount of discretionary funding to uh, help us put together a team uh, to come up with some ideas around how to safeguard and enhance Dunedin's live music going forward. Uh, And we've been working with them uh, over the last couple months, forming ideas around what we legally can do uh, in regards to noise control, what the council could do to support rehearsal spaces in the city and to safeguard venues against encroachments and, and issues like this kind of stuff with, uh, you know, building compliance and apartments uh, popping up in the city now, especially with the new national housing plan around intensifying uh, urban density and 
it's going to become a big problem if we don't get some stuff put down in the regulatory system. And uh, not only that, in, in just kind of locking into Dunedin the the ideology that it's always naturally had around it being a really important music city and having that reflected within the laws of Dunedin to make sure that that kind of aspect of its culture is safeguarded. Um, yeah. In those conversations with the Dunedin City Council, have they painted a particularly clear picture for you of what the regulatory hurdles are and how they might be addressed? Um, they're definitely being extremely helpful. Um, they have not shut down any of the ideas that us or the community has brought to them through us. They've been very willing to explore what is possible to do. Um, and it has been a very, very good collaborative process so far. Um, we are getting to the point about where the, the rubber's starting to meet the road, though. Um, we'll be going back out very soon with our kind of draft plan for the, the whole thing, back out to the community for focus groups and further community consultation because we want this whole thing to be done, you know, with every step involving the music community just to make sure that we don't uh, miss any aspects that we might not be aware of and we don't do the wrong thing, Yeah, basically. Uh, we want to help and we never want to hinder. What's particularly important, I suppose, David, in all of these considerations is acknowledging um, the particular nature of our city, its demographic composition, its population, and trying to sort what the ideal venue situation would be for the city. There's been a lot of talk around what we might potentially have missed out on through touring acts and so forth because of size of venue. Getting that combination of venues right in a way that can operate functionally for business owners and the creative community is no easy task. Yeah, it's it's one of those things I believe, though, Jeff, that will form organically if you give the right framework for it to. The music scene has always been really good at surviving through all the kinds of challenges it faces, and people who run music venues typically do it for the love um, and will will work around most situations. If you, if you just get the the laws out of the way and, and just give them a little bit of protection, the scene will build itself. Uh, and that's all we're asking really to do is just make sure that music has a fair go and is respected as much as the other forms of art are in our city and allowed to thrive. Um, and I believe that it will find a natural balance itself. David, if we don't see um, in the mid to long term a solution to this a proliferation of venue closures. What do you believe are the implications? Well, yeah, we're, we're, we've already got very few venues left, so we're getting to the very pointy end of the problem. That's why closures for bars like Starters uh, felt really keenly in the music community. Um, so it, it, it does really stress the point that we do have to, to get this sorted, and we do have to get it sorted fast. And we do also have to encourage people uh, with the confidence to be able to open new venues and, and give people in the music scene new places to play because it doesn't take long um, to lose a lot of stuff, and it, it takes a long time to get it back once you've lost it. So, David, tell us about the 
momentum behind the Save Dunedin Live Music campaign and where that stands at the moment. You had a great response to a petition earlier in the year. There was a good deal of um, social media and other other media attention on the issues at that time. Do you has that momentum continued? Do you have the people you need to continue this conversation going forward or what other support might you need from the wider community to keep this issue um, moving along? Uh, we've definitely still got a lot of community support. Uh, people people haven't gone anywhere. Um, we have been a little less active on social media and everything just while we are working through all this stuff with the council. But like I keep saying to people, we'll be going back out to the community very soon. We've held a few um, music release and stuff as well in the meantime, which have been very well attended. Uh, people are very uh, happy to get involved. And I would encourage anybody who who wants to get involved further and share their ideas with us to, to jump on the Facebook page or go over to savetoneedandlivemusic.com and, and just keep your ear to the ground because... Yeah, we'll be going back out of the community very soon, and we love that kind of feedback and engagement. Just finally, David, uh, you've mentioned the the ongoing conversation with the city authorities. Um, do you have future dates going forward? It must have been a, a bit of a challenge to continue this conversation through lockdown and so forth. Yeah, yeah, a lot of things are challenging in the COVID era, especially in the events industry. Um, but yeah, we have been continuing the meetings through through Zoom and. In any which way we can, it has slowed down a few of the the works that we were we were doing, um, especially around uh, consulting residents around the area and and stuff like that. Getting out and door knocking obviously wasn't a thing or any of that. So, but we're back to it now, um, you know, at least in part, <laughs> um, and it should all still track. It's it we're due to have this submitted to the council in December for consideration, and uh, we aim to hit that target. Well, um, good on you, David, to you and all of those who are putting their energy in behind this really important issue right now. It's um, good to touch base with you. It's sad that we have to do it at a time when we reflect on the closure of another venue. Let's hope that the uh, Otago University Students Association are able to find uh, a venue of comparable size and, uh, as you say, uh, one that has very successfully uh, held many important gigs over quite a number of years now in Aotearoa Dunedin. That's just one of the pieces of the jigsaw, of course. There are many more. But anyway, thanks for joining us on the awesome morning show. If people want to find out more about the campaign, you can find SaveDunedinLiveMusic.com as the website and also, as David has said, uh, all across social media. If you've got ideas and you want to offer them or some general support for the campaign, get in touch with David and the team. David, kia ora, thanks for joining us. Yeah, kia ora, thank you very much. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.